Welcome to another inspiring sister's message. We hope you are blessed by this ministry. Well, it's my incredible privilege to encourage us in the word tonight. And uh, I hope that I can bless and inspire through our theme, Light Up Your Life. We've had so much fun with the, uh, the theme of Light Up Your Life. It's an oldie, but it's a goodie, as you may have heard Pastor Wilma say a million times. Sisters of Africa Conference was called Light Up Your Life before we changed it to a very prophetic name that it has now. But uh, we've had so much fun with the theme. There's so much you can do with light, and there's so much about light that is in God's character that we've been able to explore. So I wanna share a story with you this evening, funnily enough, about um, darkness. There's so much light in the Bible, but there's a particular story about darkness that I felt in my heart that I wanted to share with you. So let's stand up. Stretch your legs one last time before I preach you into the ground. (laughs) Put your hand on your heart. Father God, thank you so much that we can gather as sisters in this house. I pray that the words that come out of my mouth will bless and inspire. I pray that you use me to teach and to bless. I pray that every heart is touched. I pray that your word would speak and manifest in everyone's hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So like I've said, the theme of light, we love light. Light gives life. Light is so much better than darkness. I'm not looking forward to going home to load shedding this evening. It's the light that I want. I want the light to shine. And uh, God is creator of light. It's the first thing he made. And he is our light, like Pastor P said. He's our source. It says in John 8, verse 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We need to be connected to the main source. You know, we can be so into self-enlightenment where we think, you know, we know we can find the truth within ourselves, or we can find it through another source. But self-enlightenment is like plugging a multi-plug into itself and expecting power. It is only with the source that there is power. We We can make jokes about infinite power, but there's nothing that's coming out of it if it's not plugged into a source. So herewith, I will be referring to God as the source, and Pastor P set us up perfectly with that idea. And uh, I'm going to share my story of darkness. I'm sure you would have heard about the plagues of Egypt, right? Let me catch you up. So I'm going to tell you the story of Moses in a translation called the abbreviated semi-paraphrase using screenshots from the Prince of Egypt. And I mean, I think this is my thing now because it appears I can't share a message without quoting an animated movie. This, I'm, I'm going with it. I'm writing with it. This is my thing. So, first up, Joseph brought his family, his dad was Jacob, a.k.a. Israel, to Egypt because of the famine. Now, Joe was prime minister, so the whole family comes there, they live there, they have babies, they die there. Years pass, a new pharaoh who doesn't care for Joseph's story enslaves the Hebrews. He's threatened by the Hebrews being so fruitful and multiplying, so he declares every baby boy be thrown into the Nile, every boy under two. Moses is born, now he's a descendant of Joseph's older brother Levi, and he's put in a basket on the Nile by his mother to save him, and uh, floats along, and then Pharaoh's daughter finds the basket and goes, I don't care what my dad says, I'm gonna adopt this baby, and she raises him because women are just incredible. Moses grows up, one day he sees an Egyptian being beaten by a Hebrew, so he kills the Egyptian. Now unfortunately, he has to flee Egypt because murder is frowned upon, as it should be in every nation, okay? So he runs off, he meets a man called Jethro, he joins his tribe, starts a family, lives quite peacefully, and thinks, okay, I had a rough start, But you know what? This is how my story ends. Just kidding, it's only chapter three out of 40. (laughs) 
So we have the burning bush where he encounters God. God reveals himself to him and says, it's been fun, but you need to go back to Egypt and set your people free. So he returns with God telling him what needs to be done to release them and let them go. By this point, Moses is 80. He looks fantastic for 80, right, in the picture? <laughs> and uh, he shows Pharaoh, a new, new Pharaoh now, uh, what God can do. But Pharaoh claims his magicians can do exactly the same. These signs and wonders, they're not really that special. So we get down to business with the plagues. Exodus 5, verse 1. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron, that's his brother, went to Pharaoh and said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. And that's basically the theme of every plague. Let my people go. Nope. Okay. Plague. Let my people go. Nope. Plague. Let my people go. Nope. Plague. So there were 10 plagues. The first one was the Nile being turned to blood, then frogs, then gnats, possibly also lice, then flies. Translation says this could be all flying insects, so like mosquitoes and flying ants, not actually sure. Then number five, upon livestock, then boils, it's just getting better and better, right? Then hail, thunder and fire is mentioned in the Bible as part of this hail, how exciting. Then locusts to destroy whatever was left after all of this. Then darkness, and then death, death upon the firstborn. Scholars believe that the plagues are symbolic of the powerlessness of the Egyptian gods. They had about 2,000 gods documented, so there would be one for each plague if you pulled it out, but they had nine main gods that they worshipped. Ten plagues, nine gods. Ooh, who was the tenth god? We'll get there. It says in Exodus 12, referring to the last plague, which was death, on that same night I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. So, I mean, we kind of, we kind of learn about these plagues in kids' own. I mean, I, I grew up in church, and, uh, you know, we, we, we pick them up, and I remember learning about them, and darkness was always the one that kind of got glossed over. I mean, it was so easy to depict the others, you know, a cute little frog, a cow that looks a little bit sad because it's sick, you know, like a locust that looks a bit like a praying mantis, um, you know, and then the lamb for the, the Passover story, but in darkness, and then they all died. No. Why was darkness second to death? All of these plagues got worse as it went. I mean, we've recently had a massive water cut in Joburg, and if you ask anybody, I'm pretty sure we all agree that if you were to choose between seven days of no water, or all the water turning to blood like in the Nile, and three days of load shedding, we would pick the three days of low shedding. <laughs> I mean, why was darkness so bad that it came just before death? How bad could this biblical low shedding be that it had to be just before the absolute worst plague ever? In fact, they say that it's actually, the plagues are in, in groups of three and the tenth one is like its own kind of thing. I mean, what is so significant about the dark? Dark is inevitable, right? It comes every night. Why would we be so worried about three days of complete darkness? Well, we go through eight plagues and we end up in darkness. Exodus 10, you're like, finally, Simi, we're getting to it. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand towards the sky so that darkness spreads over Egypt. Darkness that can be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand towards the sky and total darkness covered all Egypt for three days. No one could see anyone else or move about for three days. Yet, 
all the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. The commentary says, darkness which may even be felt alludes to this was no normal darkness. It had a supernatural element to it that could be felt. Light is not only a physical property, it is an aspect of God's character. In judgment, God can withdraw his presence so significantly that the void remaining is darkness, which may even be felt. I said earlier that all the different plagues corresponded to different gods, and you can, you can link up a whole bunch of them, do some research, it's actually very interesting. Uh, but the darkness plague pokes at a very particular god, the main god, who goes by the name of Ra. Really want to sing Lady Gaga right now. Ra. <laughs> the king of the gods, or the Zeus of Egyptian mythology, if you will. Commentary says, sun is the giver of life, controlling the ripening of crops that will work by man. Because of the life-giving qualities of the sun, the Egyptians worshiped the sun as a god. The creator of the universe and the giver of life, they believe, the sun, or Ra, represented life, warmth, and growth. Since the people regarded Ra as a principal god, creator of the universe and the source of life, he had a strong influence on them, which led, them to being, led him to being one of the most worshipped of all the Egyptian gods, and even considered the king of the gods. The thing is, we know what God was trying to say. He made light. They worshipped light as a god, but our god was light. Bringing darkness was not something that was in God's inherent nature, but it was something he was willing to do to show that they were worshipping the wrong god. Genesis 1 verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. One of the first things God did in creation was create light. Light is who he is. In him there is no darkness, as it says in the Bible. Psalm 36 says, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. The commentary goes on to say, seemingly God did not even allow artificial light sources to work. The Egyptians attempted to use candles and lamps, but were unable to produce light. This was a dramatic show of greatness over the prominent Egyptian god Ra, thought to be the sun god. All of the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. We don't know if this was because God spared them of the plague or because God granted them his unique presence, bringing a supernatural light. Like Pastor P said, even ESCOM can't turn off the sun, okay? It's inevitable, the sun will rise. Darkness is not where we want to live. Darkness, evening is necessary, but we want the light. Even when the sun sets, what do we do? We turn on the light, put on our headlights. We don't want to be in darkness. We treat it as, it's natural, as a natural state. We believe we should be in the light at all times until we decide it's time to go to sleep or I've had enough. Darkness can be an absolute curse. Blindness is called by the darkness. If I'm walking and minding my own business in the power cuts, I don't know if there's a cliff that's now formed in front of me. I can't see, I can't see, I don't know, I'm uncertain. There's a fear, and I mean, most people are, would know, you, people are afraid of the dark. It's up there with death and public speaking and all that other stuff. Um, <laughs> But there's, there's a fear also built by that uncertainty. There's mistrust. It says in the Bible that the Egyptians didn't know. They had mistrust. You don't know who is around. You don't know what they're going to get up to. Now that you can't see, what are you going to do? Are you going to steal from me? Are you going to kill me? Are you going to hurt me? Despair. Biologically, without the sun, we can't produce serotonin, which is very important for our happiness, biologically. 
uh, slows down our vitamin D, but also when you talk about someone being sad, you say they're gloomy. You talk about a dark depression or a darkness that comes over somebody. There's no growth or productivity in the dark. I mean, obviously the plants can't grow without the sun, but we can't move about. The dark naturally makes you tired. It doesn't give you that burst of energy to be able to carry on about your day. If it was dark all day, we'd, we'd just want to sleep the whole time. And lastly, physical harm. There's danger in the dark. I mean, you could trip over something, you can pale yourself, you could injure yourself, but also physically, it causes an imbalance of hormones like melatonin, it affects your circadian rhythm, it reduces dopamine and it weakens the neurons needed to make your body and your nervous system function. So we do need the light, we were designed to look towards the light and have the light. And darkness really is a curse. Probably great that it was only three days, right? So how can we release the light and have the light? Point number one, have emergency light. Seems kind of obvious, right? The first thing we do when we have a power cut, especially one that you're not expecting, we kind of just freeze into place and go, okay, I've got my bearings, I can feel my feet, okay, nothing is poking me, and then we reach for a source of light. And what is typically our very first and closest source of light? Your cell phone, exactly. You know, in, in dark times, spiritually, are we using our phones as our emergency source of light? Are we reaching out to social media? Are we reading the news? Are we going for sound bites, watching a reel, stalking that person, doom scrolling, texting someone we shouldn't text? I don't know who needs to hear this, but there's a guy you shouldn't be texting in a dark time. We need emergency light. We need good emergency light. We need reliable emergency light. And a good emergency light, number one, is scripture. Our main verse for sisters this year is Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. When you're going through a dark time, we're not gonna be opening the Bible. Lord, speak to me. It's too late for that. You need a scripture that you can hold on to and have in an emergency instead of asking God to reveal something when I haven't been reading the Bible in a very long time. I've got a scripture. Here's mine. It's not gonna come up on the screen because it's not technically part of the message, but I'll share it with you anyway. It's Psalm 37, verse one to four. Do not fret because of those who are evil. Be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy a safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. If you need an emergency scripture, we have the Sisters magazine. And inside the front cover, there's a whole lot of scriptures about light. If you need a scripture to inspire you about how God is light and the light of the Lord right here, or just page through it. There's some great articles from our guest speakers. There's some fantastic scriptures on the photo pages, not just pretty. Have a look, and like, oh, it's so cheesy to have the Lord is my light and salvation is my emergency scripture. It's a light, hold on to it and use it. Secondly, the promises of God is a good emergency light. This is linked to the first thought. If you can't think of a specific verse, remember what God has promised. Who am I to deny what the Lord can do? He's promised you a hope in the future. He's promised you strength to answer your prayers, to work out everything for good, to be with you. He's promised you freedom, to protect you, and to take care of your needs. 
Sometimes you need to pluck out a promise and be like, ah, oh, but God promised it's going to be okay. And that's your light. Thirdly, worship. I mean, when in doubt, all you need to do is just hum a tune or a verse or a bridge. We can't, Pastor P cannot be in our pocket and pull out the band and do a whole song. Sometimes your phone isn't playing the music. Like that's what happened to me this afternoon. But you can still sing your own worship. What's a song that's been chewing at your ear? Maybe it's been chewing at your ear for a reason. What's your favorite song? Listen to the promise of those words. Let that be the soundtrack in the dark. And lastly, a friend is a good emergency light. A sister. You know, one source of emergency light that we kind of sniff at is candles. Candles are great. They're not very bright, but they're nice. They're pretty. They smell nice. The thing about candles is they can be used to light other candles. And it's the same with our friends. Don't be too proud to ask for help or share that there is darkness. Don't be afraid to message someone and reach out and be like, you know what, I know I, I seem like I've got it all together and I know I'm the strong one, but can you just pray for me? You know what, the lights went out. Can I just come over or can I just call you or can I just check in with you? That's probably me. Can I just check in with you? All emergency lights are charged by the source. A friend that is not charged by the source is not the friend. You need someone who has been coming to church, who's been part of the worship, who's been engaging in fellowship. If you're thinking of someone specific, good. Keep them in your heart and pray for them. Amen. Point number two, you need to recharge before you are in darkness. You know, if your phone isn't charged, you can't use the torch. There's a certain level of battery where you can't let, you know, the light shine. You can't use a flat battery. We can check the load shedding schedule, but there are always unplanned outages, like when we went up to stage five this afternoon, so fun. And it's the same in our lives. We can't plan every outage. If the light has been charging the whole time, you're better prepared. We don't always know when we need the light charged, so the best thing to do is to keep it charging. Don't rely on the emergency lights, they are only for emergencies. Make sure you're reading your Bible regularly. Make sure that you are engaging in worship always, not just on Sundays or once a month at Sisters. Make sure that you are reaching out to your community always. Connect with the people in the church, volunteer with them, reach out to your friends. It's a constant work in progress. A battery is not a good place to charge from. You really do need the source. Point number three, switch to energy savers. You know, it's so great how we hear from ESCOM all these tips to save electricity. And I'm like, yeah, like thanks, appreciate it. But what is draining more light than perhaps you have realized? Is it a person, an activity? Is it a show? Is it a social media account? Is it a habit? For me, it's the comment section on pretty much everything these days. It's just so negative, and people want to complain about everything, and it makes me want to complain about things, and I'm just like, no, read the headline and, you know, move on. Is there a faulty socket in your family life that needs to be attended to? Is someone draining your emergency light because they refuse to charge their own?
What needs to be unplugged? I know, um, in theory, would it be great if I could go home just before a load shedding slot, unplug my TV, and then go back to work, and then two and a half hours later, come back and plug it back in? I mean, no, I'm not going to be doing that. That's not really something I'm going to be, you know, how impractical. But there are some things that perhaps need to be unplugged for good. We need to search protect our hearts. You know what happens when all the power comes back and you haven't protected the surge? An explosion. All of the power comes surging back. It causes destruction, causes harm, maybe even a fire. There's some things we look at and we go, you know what, I think this needs to just be unplugged and maybe not plugged in again for a while or maybe not ever. And lastly, what needs to be repaired or replaced? It's incredibly frustrating when you didn't break something and now you have to fix it, but it needs to be fixed or more damage will occur. Is that a relationship? Is it your quiet time? Is it your commitment? Or maybe you need to just go back to recharging when you are in darkness and making sure that you're committed and applying yourself accordingly. Point number four, be vigilant. It's often reported that crime occurs mostly in the dark and during load shedding even more so. Criminals check the load shedding schedule when they're going to break in and attack someone. And it's the same with the enemy. He comes for you when you are most vulnerable. He knows that the lights are out, he knows that it's dark, and he's coming for you too. We need to be vigilant at all times. At home we check, are the locks on, are the curtains closed? Is there light in dangerous places around my house? Is anything lying around that I might trip over in the dark, I need to be vigilant. The wise woman sees trouble coming and hides from it. It says in 1 Peter 5 verse 8, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Be vigilant, and maybe be vigilant for someone else. Maybe they're not noticing the darkness or the danger in the darkness, help someone with emergency light. And point number five, lastly, but most importantly, share the light with others. I'm sure you would have seen those memes going around where you see a video of somebody sitting on the plane and it says, passenger, enjoying the movie on the plane, and then it cuts to the person, and me also enjoying the movie on the plane. <laughs> it's the exact same with light. It demands to shine. It spills, it leaks out, it overflows. Even if you're not shining a light for me, I'm gonna see that light. So we've had the new moon this past week, absolutely dark, and we've been trying quite hard to make sure that we're home, you know, before, before the power cut, because we, um, we have to climb the stairs, don't wanna be climbing the stairs in the dark, you know, at night, and uh, park, and there's like a, a block or two before we get to our house. So, unfortunately, one of those nights, we ended up coming after the power had gone out and uh, parked the car. And as we were walking, my husband had his uh, phone torch out and was lighting the way and, you know, seeing all the shadows in the dark. And uh, you could see everyone's houses and how it was all lit up and all these little beacons of light inside people's places lighting up. Like you can tell, like, there's a battery light there and there's a magneto light there. And, and as we walked past the block to get to our place, there was someone in the middle 
who very clearly had an inverter, because this white, bright LED light was shining from their kitchen, and it was lighting up the whole neighborhood. And I'm like, yeah, this is definitely a different, this is not a rechargeable light bulb. This is someone who's using an alternative power source. Good for them. And it was just so bright and blinding. But the thing was, their kitchen curtains were open, or blinds were open, and they were shining onto the street. And they lit my way home. These people don't even know me. They've never met me before. And yet, inadvertently, by shining their own light, they lit the way home for me without even trying. And that's the thing with light. It finds a way to shine. Light spills, it leaks, it overflows. If the light is on inside of you, it cannot help but shine outwardly. It cannot help but light up everything around it. It cannot help but shine on others and light their path. You don't even know who the light is shining for. Matthew 5 verse 14 says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You don't turn on a, room, a light in your room during load shedding and then close the door and keep your whole family out. If you do, pastoral care is willing to help you at the connection lounge. But you don't do that. It's to be shared. Light is for the whole house. Am I right? And you don't block out your own household from the light and leave them in darkness. You don't light up something and cover it up. That's going to put it out. There's no point in lighting it up. There's no point in having a light if it's not going to shine and be shown to everybody. Luke 8 verse 16 says, No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so those who come in can see the light. As I said before, candles light other candles. Light is meant to spread. It's meant to be shared. And it's so great when in load shedding, if you go out shopping somewhere and you know, you're at a location that's maybe not on your, your normal schedule, and you're inside a shop, and then the power goes out, you know, you hear that sound of the power draining. There's that collective, ah, oh, from everyone in the shop, someone screams invariably. <laughs> and then little by little, you see all these little lights coming on as everyone reaches in their pocket and turns on their cell phone light. And they're not meaning to light it up for anyone other than themselves, but you can still see it. It's this amazing thing of all these little lights coming up, everyone letting their light shine. It's the same with sharing the light. Luke 11 says, Luke 11 verse 33, no one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so those who come in may see the light. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines its light on you. One more verse. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. As we come to a close, we've heard about the plague of darkness being the ninth plague. The final plague was the death of the firstborn. I mentioned how God showed up all of the Egyptian god and the ninth one would have been Ra, the main god. The last plague appears to symbolize the tenth god, which is the god of the pharaoh. Pharaohs were seen as Ra's manifestations on earth. Pharaohs were called the sons of Ra. Ra was called the first king of Egypt. Thus it was believed pharaohs were his descendants and his successors. One of the commentaries says, God would kill Pharaoh's son because he would refuse to release God's son, Israel, even after many wonders. And probably killing those babies had something to do with it as well. 
But we can so try to be our own light and find the light within ourselves. We believe that a light can be a person in our lives, and maybe they bring some light, but they wouldn't be the main source of light. They wouldn't be God. They wouldn't be the God. And we can name things the morning star, like the Pharaoh did, or the sun, when they actually aren't. There is only one source of light, and that is the Lord our God. This was the only plague where the Israelites did not automatically get exempt. They had to make a sacrifice to be spared. It's the story of Passover, where the blood of the lamb on the doorpost would spare them. It was at midnight in the dark that the Lord would know to ignore whatever was inside of those houses. It was up to them to make a decision and take action. They had instruction of what to do that night to prepare for the journey of freedom, but there would be no freedom and there would be no life unless they took the action and painted the door. There is no need for that sacrifice now because it's already been made when Christ died on the cross. He's the new lamb. So maybe it's time to finish and extinguish the past and enter this new life, this bright light of salvation. This way, the plague of death cannot touch you because you now have eternal life in Christ. Thank you for listening. We hope you were blessed and inspired by this ministry.